0: A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum. To steal a line-out, make a break, and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend. For one team to become champion.
1: But it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide and he finds a winger! Oederman! He's faster than a bald man's haircut! Oederman and he gets a try! What a heartbreaker!
2: Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode
1: 74, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. A very
0: warm welcome in a very chilly December, folks. MLR Kickoff, Dan Power with you, joined by the professor. As always, Pete Steinberg and a very special guest. Christmas has come early in the Power household. As the number one Gil Groniak, Bill the Drill, the virtual king of rugby, McGee joins us. Will. Firstly, I'll, I'll welcome you in, brother. How are you holding up in the off-season?
3: I'm good, thanks, Dan. Yeah, good. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, just looking forward to getting back into rugby now. It's under 100 days, so it's very exciting.
0: And Pete, don't worry, I'm not taking
3: you for granted. Always a
0: pleasure having the biggest brain in world rugby on the show. How are you holding up down there, buddy?
1: Doing well. It is, it is a little chilly. I, I'm, I'm surprised we've got this far, Dan, and you haven't talked about um, uh, Bill the Drills Championship. I said the world champion of virtual uh, wrong, rugby. Did I miss that? No, um, I you must don't. Have missed that, you miss a lot.
0: Not much. I, listening. Do, I do. I
1: mean, normally when you're talking, I'm not paying attention. So um, that must have happened again. Yeah. Well, let's jump into a rough week. It's been a rough week. It
0: always is with you, isn't it? Let's jump into the banner. Brought to you by shopmlr.com. Powered by the Rugby Shop. Great supporters of the show. Not too late for Christmas, folks. Get on there. Get your MLR kit. An Austin Gilgronis jersey under the tree. Nothing better, isn't that right, Bill? What oh, number would you put on it? Twenty-three. Twenty-three. Number twenty-three. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. All right, Pete. What's new? What's new in the rugby world? A lot of well, news coming out.
1: I mean, I mean, um, it's it's we're a little bit sort of in the quiet period, right? So we're after all the internationals have, have happened, the uh, um, the uh, Nations Cup finished, right, with uh, um, England just about pulling off against like the French, third third string. Um, but, you know, I think that to, to um, Will's comment, I think what, what's going on is that people are really gearing up for the season. I think that's good. Well, I, you know, I, I think what happened was um, a trip to Bermuda for a, a bunch of MLR players. And uh, um, hopefully at some point we can get Will's experience from that, from the uh, World Tens. No better time than now. Bill, how was it? King of
0: Bermuda as well? Have you added that to your titles?
3: no it was amazing um obviously the guys that put on the tournament had a had a big task ahead of them but it was a it was a great experience um nice break from obviously reality and the pandemic and everything going on worldwide um but obviously kudos to the guys but also kudos to bermuda um everyone felt super safe out there Uh, a lot of testing before we arrived testing on arrival etc etc um but once we were on the island yeah like you said we had a lot of um lot of free time a lot of time to explore and have a lot of fun which uh created some great memories now, that's yeah.
0: like the first excursion out for you since obviously the biggest moment in your life becoming the mlr virtual champion pete and i kind of you know were there to experience that with you how, how different is life now you're on the island and everyone's like oh that's will mcgee you know, the the yeah, MLR I... virtual champ is it is it difficult now for you to just to live a normal life
3: yeah it was red carpet straight off the plane um straight into into do you have an entourage did you, did you take your entourage on this trip? Yeah, so the guys that I was flying out with, Bryce Campbell and Dylan Fawcett, and they, they were in a <laughs> corner I was off in first class. I was going to <laughs> first um, yeah. No, it's, it's
1: Yeah. It was... So, so um, you know, one of, one of the reasons why rugby is such a great game is, is like the bonds that we build with our teammates and the friendships that we make. So um, tell us about uh, someone that, that you – because there were so many guys out there, right, from around the world. Tell us about someone that you met that was like, wow, this guy is very different than I thought he would be or, or that you ended up like um, building a bond with. Um, there's a couple,
3: actually. Uh, so probably first off, Eric Howard. Um, so me and Howie have played against each other a hell of a lot, um, both in the MLR and at international level. Uh, but he's a great dude, unbelievable player, um, real fun guy to be around off the field. Um, and then another guy would probably be J.P. Smith, um, Seattle's nine. Um, obviously, we've had our fair share of battles over the last couple of years as well. But great guy, um, loves his golf as well, which is always it was always a, a key to my heart. Um, but we had some great times, and yeah, and we've we've definitely kept in contact since. So that's it's been pretty good.
1: It'll make that early season matchup, right, Austin Seattle, a little bit spicy as he comes off the scrum and hits you a little bit late after you've released the ball, right? It's probably going to yeah. happen. <laughs> No, I love JP. Any chance you get
0: him down in that burnt orange, buddy? You need a good night? No, no,
3: no, I think mean, he's stuck in the, in the Pacific
2: Northwest.
0: I'll keep trying. I'll keep plugging away. Well, you're on the show tonight because we are talking Austin Gilgronies. We've got your head coach, Sam Harris, on the show a little later, as well as uh, one of your recent signings, Jeff Hasler, who has been coached down from the Pacific Northwest to Austin this year. For you personally, it was a pretty short run in 2020. Uh, The win over Houston played some heroics there with a late penalty that got the Gilgronies up over the Sabercats. How's the off-season been for you, Will? And then what are you looking to build on from 2020 to 2021 with Austin?
3: Uh, It's been all right, to be honest. Obviously, everyone's had their struggles. Um, In terms of Austin specifically... um, stayed around there for quite a bit after, um, after the season shut down, um, helping her out, help out obviously with the virtual stuff. Also just bits and bobs around the office and the gym. Um, and like, it was kind of joked around the the office that like, obviously no one wanted this pandemic to come, but it probably came at like a good time in a way for the Gil Gronies and such that when they took over, they had to sort of rush everything ahead of the season last year. And they didn't really have that much time to put stuff in place that they wanted to. And now we're really seeing that obviously with the new investment group and stuff like that, um, how much we're building ahead of this new season and how exciting it is to be a part of it. And um, yeah, I mean, Sam and and Mark have been amazing coach wise, Um, like the preparation and detail that they're going into before we even get boots on the ground in Austin in the next few weeks has been amazing. Um, Obviously pretty new squad. Uh, but we've all been on Zoom every week or so and getting to know each other at a personal level as well as obviously in a rugby level. Um, so I think it's really exciting and, yeah, literally just cannot wait to get down there and rip in.
1: Now, um, you know, well, you're obviously a natural fly half, but you've played lots of other positions. You've played 15 for um, the US. Is, is 10 your spot in Austin? I think and there's three quality 10s down there in the squad, so not everyone can play. Have you had that conversation about like where you're going to fit in and how you can uh, um, be on the field.
3: You suggesting I should move further forward in the pack, or is that...
1: <laughs> no, no. I mean,
3: obviously, like every, I, I've had that question, you know, from friends and family and stuff. It's like, why are Austin signing like three like very good fly halves, and it's like, well, you don't win a you don't win an MLR with a first 15. And like from our experience personally with Glendale, probably a couple of years ago, we had a really good 15, but we probably didn't have a good 32 that was good enough to win the comp. So we need to have the best players available. Um, we need to be pushing each other in week and week out in training. And we need to have that understanding that whoever has that 10 Jersey or the 15 Jersey, whatever position, it's not just those two positions, you know, we've got depth all over the place. You look at, tight head hooker like really important positions like that we've got amazing depth um back three in the centers everywhere and like that's what we want we want to build a title winning team and like i can't wait to go and compete with kurt and mac week in week out because it's just going to make us all better players anyway
1: yeah and i think that um you know we we talk a lot on the pod there's two positions that you need to win in the mlr one's a tight head and one's a quality 10 and you're right you need more than one Right, and and I think that there's um, experience. Um, Matt can certainly play, you know, in multiple positions, and you can too. You know, let's talk about your mindset going into the season. You know, you're a seasoned international, you're a World Cup veteran. You go into this season. What's, what are your goals? What are your personal goals that you want to go in? Are you still is it is it you know are you still developing your game? Are there areas of the game that you want to focus on, or is it much more about helping the team develop? So, what's your mindset? As, a, as an experienced international going into the season?
3: I think I think you touched on, like, both there, like, in terms of, personally, I still have, have massive goals that I want to achieve, like, both for Austin and for the US. Um, so, obviously, everyone's goal at the start of the season is to win it all. So, like, you wouldn't, we wouldn't be playing if we didn't think we could win the MLR Shield. Um, and then, obviously, like, yeah, as, as you said, sort of becoming a bit more of an experienced player within the squad, it's, it's going to be exciting to sort of take some of the younger lads, um under the wing and not even boys that are younger, but boys who are sort of on the cusp of potentially breaking through internationally and sort of helping, helping them on their journey as well. You know, you've got um, guys like Zinzani Lampatik who obviously was just, involved was would have been involved with the Eagles like wider squad this year who's a very experienced player in his own right but
1: but, but he's like very that. happy to see three number 10s so we can not play number 10 anymore
3: <laughs> yeah the smile on his face when me and Kurt arrived last year was <laughs> right was <laughs> beaming, Yeah, but you know what I mean so it's like obviously someone like Zinni who's a fantastic player in his own right but like how can I help him out in, in ways as a playmaking sort of 15, you know, like what can he learn from me, but also what can I learn from him? And, and that's going to be across the whole squad, you know, like what can I learn from Kurt? Who's got a couple years experience on me. And then same with Matt coming over from Australia. Like he's got amazing experience in his own right, being behind Bernard Foley. So like we all can like contribute to each other. Um, and that's, what's going to be like super exciting. And then obviously what can, what can we all learn from the amazing coaches that we have with their experience? Because I think it's pretty rare that you get two young, ambitious coaches who are pretty recent out of the game, but have also got really good coaching experience coming into an MLR side, which is, so they have a feel for what the dressing room is going to be like, because they've recently been there. You know, I think Mark Mark Drad was playing international rugby like five years ago or something crazy, you know, so like, it's, it's going to be an amazing experience.
0: Well, we're going to jump into the interview with Sam Harris, now your head coach, but before that, the schedule was just released. Have you circled any of those games in there of particular interest for you?
3: Uh, I think, obviously, the Battle of the Gills. I think that will be pretty good. Uh, I think we've got LA Week 2 in the Coliseum. Um, so that will definitely be a big one. And, uh, and, yeah, obviously, first week home opener against Seattle. Uh, COVID dependent on how many fans we can have, but hopefully pack out as much as possible where it's safe to do so and, uh, and really put on a show.
0: That'll be a good one. The Battle of the Gills we'll have to figure out maybe uh, some sort of trophy. You've got it the Texas Cup. I mean, Cup. how many
1: trophies does Austin need? Like like they've got like the Texas trophy, the Battle of the Gills, like come well, on. This, we
3: this is this is one of the topics of conversation in Bermuda was how the Texas Cup is going to work now. And we were sort of like cuz obviously there's three teams involved and you don't want it being played for every week and we were sort of talking about the the sort of New Zealand Kiwi Shield model where you defend it when you're at home but you when you're not, it's not on the line sort of thing, because otherwise you, it, it would lose value if every time Houston plays Dallas or Austin, it's, it's on the line, you know. So hopefully they come up with a smart solution for that. Yeah, I hope so too. Well,
0: one of the men in charge of keeping the Texas Cup in Austin is a new head coach, Sam Harris. I had a chance to sit down with Slam and Sam earlier today. We are joined now by the head coach of the Austin Gill Sam Harris. Big Sammy, morning in Australia. Thanks for getting up early and joining us, mate.
2: Morning, Dan. Thanks for having me, mate. Um, it's an honour to be on such a prestigious show and uh, with such a prestigious host. Um, no worries about the early time. You've already been up and had a workout, so good to go.
0: Jeez, you've got off to a great start, haven't you? I was going to run the compliments on you, but look, you've just jumped straight ahead of me. It's going to be like, it's so good to hear a nice, normal accent instead of Pete Steinberg's nasally whining British <laughs> voice. But well, let's, let's talk a little bit about yourself, mate. A lot of people uh, who follow Major League Rugby will know the name from your time in Super Rugby, but there's a lot more layers to the Sam Harris story. Give us a little bit of background on, on your involvement uh, with Rugby Union, and I know you had some time in league as well in Australia, and then how you got to the Austin Gilbronis.
2: Yep, sure. Um, yeah, grew up actually playing rugby league mostly and then um, through schoolboy level rugby, um, made the Australian schoolboys and kind of stuck with rugby union from there, toured UK and Ireland with New South Wales CHS as a schoolboy and just fell in love with the game. And um, from there, stayed in the selectors' books, uh, made the Waratahs, was there for a couple of years um, and then transitioned over to back to rugby league. Had four seasons there, um, had a wonderful time there, got a lot of experience, came back to rugby union, back to the Waratahs, um, and then another couple of good years there, made a final, and then um, and then moved over to Japan for a season, came back uh, with the Western Force, so a bit of a journeyman um, career as a footy player, and then once, once I finished up at Western Force, probably a little bit earlier than I would have liked due to bad knees, um, Got straight into coaching and, and coached at the Warringah Rats, a local club here in Sydney. Um, and then from there, got headhunted back over to Japan from the, the team that I played with as as a player at the Honda Heat. Spent four years there as a coach. And then um, went to the Rico Black Rams, also in Japan, in Tokyo, and had three really good seasons there. And, That's, and here I am.
0: Here he is. Well, I was going to say, one of the the downsides as a player, you're like, Oh, a bit of a journeyman, but now as a coach, what a great experience and what a great, uh, you know, resume you've built learning from so many different coaching styles and philosophies throughout that journeyman career, who has really influenced you the most through that time. And like what tids and bits have you taken from the coaches that you've played under?
2: Yeah, very blessed to, to get coached by many um, really successful coaches that have a proven record and um, were really good man managers. So uh, Bob Dwyer to start with, uh, World Cup winner and um, great coach. Then Desi Hasler, who, who's gone on to do really good things and I, I saw him as in his infancy. Um, Tim Sheens at the West Tigers, who was probably the, the, the best coach that... Um, that best head coach that I've seen, just work his craft, and then Hugh and McKenzie at the Waratahs, um, yeah. So plus others, but probably the biggest influences um, that I've had is Scott Wiseman. He he worked with me as a as a 17-year-old, and he was my SNC at that stage in, in an Australian Institute of Sport program, and then. Uh, I've just watched his career, and I've followed his career. He's coached me probably three times through there, and we stayed close ever since. And now he's obviously done great things with Japan, England, Australia, and uh, he's been really big to me, both me and Mark. Durant.
0: Yeah. Any chance Scotty comes to Austin? Just a little little, little trip to Austin for Scott?
2: Oh, I wouldn't rule it out. There's there's a possibility of maybe um, some consultancy work, like Eddie Jones is doing in San Diego. Um, yeah, that might be on the cards.
0: What would he do with like an overweight, middle-aged, 37-year-old, retired rugby player, maybe losing a bit of hair, a bit of extra pudding around the midsection? you think, Scott, could work some magic with this mythical person?
2: Are you talking about you or Gerardo? I'm not sure.
0: Oh, I'm, I wouldn't say that about Mark Gerardo. I think he's in better nick than I am. <laughs> no, neither would
2: I. But, but uh, you're the same age. so just tweeted me. But, um, mate, he, 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 he can work miracles, so he might be the mayor for the job.
0: Well, let's talk about Austin. When does the phone call come through? Uh, where does the interest in Austin start, and then how does it end up today, where you're close to leaving for Austin for the season in 2021?
2: Yeah, got a call from. Um, so what happened was, obviously, new ownership at Austin. Um, they've they've taken over, done some really good things. Obviously, got another another team over in LA as well, and. Um, uh, a, a mutual acquaintance of mine uh, was kind of heading up the recruitment for both teams and uh, he contacted me, sought out my level of interest for the position and I was still under contract in Japan, should still be over there but um, I've always had an eye on America and always wanted to be over there but to be honest I thought it was probably two or three, four years away um, but it's not, it's, it's here and it's ready to go and I think this product of the MLR is great and is destined for huge things. And I'd really like to get in at this level. It's not the entry level because it's already been going and and proven to be a winner. But, um, yeah, I've got an opportunity and these kinds of opportunities don't come around very often. And this is my first head coaching opportunity. And I get the opportunity to take one of my best mates, Mark Gerard, with me and build a really strong coaching team. Um, Part of it I can't announce at the moment, but a young dynamic coaching team and I've got a great management staff in Austin and just every piece of the puzzle um, just really worked for me. So like complete autonomy within the, um, the organisation just really appealed to me and I've been waiting for this opportunity, so I can't wait.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, you're going to a franchise that has probably not a great history in terms of success on the field, a lot of that started to turn around in 2020 with the new ownership. Uh, what, what can Gilgroni's fans or, or the Gilgroni acts, the millions of them that are in Texas and around the world, what can they expect when you turn up? Like what's going to be the DNA that you kind of pass on to this franchise?
2: Yeah, well, um, the DNA is going to be a successful one. So we're going to come with um, intentions to win the competition straight up and while doing that, we're going to create uh, an atmosphere as family in terms of the playing group, um, the management group, and also the fans. Um, obviously, rugby gives a, uh, a unique and bespoke element of family and team sport. And, you know, there's other team sports in America, but I don't think any other sport in the world does family like rugby does. And so we want to create that environment. And then on the field, want to create uh, an attractive brand of football that's also physical and uncompromising.
0: Sounds like someone I know who's uh, being interviewed right now, Big Sam, Big Slam, and Sam Harris when he played very physical, very intimidating.
2: Yeah, well, I think sometimes the, the the DNA has got to um, it's got to reflect the head coach's personality, and so it's easier for me to um, kind of portray that and live that every day if if I'm doing that.
0: Yeah, let's talk a little bit about your roster now. So you get signed on, Mark Girard, obviously a good friend of yours, comes over. What are you, What's your initial impressions of the roster? And, and were there some players there that kind of jumped out and you're like, hey, we've got to keep this guy, we've got to keep that guy? And then how did you go about your recruitment process of filling in the spaces that you needed to, to build this championship team?
2: Yeah, well, I think um, first off the bat, in terms of personnel, uh, I wanted to keep the core of the group and, and obviously the really good players, but, uh, first week in the job, Mason Peterson out, you know, the team's tight head who's been there from day one. Um, he was on the, on like, he was top of my priority list. And also he needed urgent attention because he's from LA and wanted to, to, you know, entertain the thought of moving back to LA. So, um, I had to make sure he was a priority, and then, and then once once I knew I had him, I knew I could kind of build around that. And then, you've seen the rest of the re-signings that we've kept; all those players are quality, and um, you know have a really big future in the game. And then, and then just putting the rest of the pieces of the puzzle around that. Obviously, uh, Dom McKenna was was a big priority. Um, he's you know got you know a very high ceiling, if a ceiling at all. And then we'll we'll move into. Other areas of the of the team, we've got some really good outside backs. Um, Zinzan, another OG, A-G-O-G. OG. Um, yeah. yeah, he was one that I had to keep. And then yeah, I think that the guys that have been announced and um, are going to come in and just add to the culture and to the to the ability of the group.
0: Now I'm a big big fan of Kurt Morath, but I almost get the feeling it's going to be a weekend at Bernie scenario with Kurt, where. How much longer can he keep playing? And are you and Mark just going to string him up and just keep him out there? And uh, you sign Mac Mason. You've got uh, build the drill, the virtual rugby champion, the global virtual world champion. I don't know if that translates or not. But um, how how did you evaluate guys like Kurt, who obviously brings so much in terms of his experience and leadership? But how much are you expecting from Kurt on the field in twenty twenty one?
2: Yeah, I'm expecting a lot. Like he's he's in great nick for his age. He's um, yeah, you know, we saw him in Bermuda uh, doing really well, but also looking at his testing that we've been doing through this period, um, looking at his his SNC results, he's still ready to go, and he's you know he's training like a 28 year old. So uh, he's he's a great player, he's a great leader, and he's a great general around the field. So. It's going to be a really tight race for that 10 jersey round one and then through the season. But I think it's also going to be one of um, support and, you know, team first attitude for all three of those guys.
0: Yeah, And good versatility with all three as well. So whoever's not wearing the 10, there's still a job to be done on that team.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, whether they're in the team, whether they're on the bench or whether they're, um, not in the 23 they, They've got a job to do And a role to fulfill So I'm sure All of those guys Will, will handle that professionally
0: Alright Rugby aside now mate What are you looking forward to most About Firstly Austin Getting to Austin What are you looking forward to doing In Austin And then In the US Of any of the away games You've got Is there anything you kind of penciled in That you're really excited To go and see and do
2: Yep um, Firstly Austin uh, Number one is Brisket Big Brisket fan Uh Franklin's, um, yeah, all those barbecue places. Want to check them all out. Unfortunately, until the vaccine kicks in, I, I might not get that luxury. So we'll, we'll be in a bubble until we figure something out. But um, yeah, I want I want to check out all the barbecue. I want to check out you know Barton Springs and Lake Travis and um, all the natural wonders that Austin has. And then we're gonna, in terms of all over the world, like I mean, all over America, we've got. You name it. Like I, I want to check out Canada, which we might not be able to do. We might not be able to cross that border. Um, but, but all all the uh, different areas, obviously San Diego and, and LA, and yeah, all of, all of America. I just love it, so I, I can't wait to go to any of those places.
0: Yeah, the Canada one's going to be interesting because you've got an Australian passport. You actually might be able to get into Canada, so you might be playing. If uh, if that's the case, have to figure something out there.
2: But yeah, it made you keep pushing towards me, strapping on the boots and putting a mouth guard in. It. It's not going to happen, mate. I'm not going to be playing at the age. I don't know. I got to, I, I'll take you back.
0: It's, it's a little personal story. I actually remember when you signed with Manly, and uh, at the exact same time, uh, and this is, you probably have no idea, but I was talking to Manly to come to Manly, and then they signed really? you, and I'm like, can't believe they signed this rugby union fairy. And you actually killed it. You were fantastic. So I, I actually had a uh, – it's weird, this, the, the synergy of this, how it works around. I remember thinking back to – I think it was like, yeah, end of oh I'm like, ah oh, damn, I, I really wanted to go there because it was kind of a yeah. good club at the time. They were doing really well. And, and then uh, I don't think you took my spot. I'm, I'm, you know, but it was just funny that at the same time you went there. So full circle, mate. Now we get to have a beer in Austin, Texas one day.
2: Yeah, well, I'd like to hear the full story of that over a beer, over a Bud Light or whatever, whatever it may be. But, yes, yeah, sure. Bock
0: in, uh, in Austin, Texas. It's the only beer. It's a Texas beer.
2: Shine Okay.
0: Oh, there you oh. go. We'll rip it in. Well, Sammy, appreciate you getting up and joining us. You're looking fit, looking great. I know you're not going to play, but I'll keep pushing that envelope until it happens. Looking forward to seeing you over here in the uh, burnt orange in 2021. And hopefully for all the acts, it's going to be a, a very... Uh, memorable year for the right reasons as you can bring a championship back to Austin, Texas
2: No worries Dan, thanks for having me mate I just want to say to the fans of Austin and the AGs um, get ready, get involved um, bring a friend, introduce people to this great game of rugby and we're going to produce a great product on the field and also pre and post game entertainment so get down to the Bold Stadium okay. yeah.
0: Franklin's get the man some brisket, figure it out Uber Eats, anything. All right, Sammy. Thanks for joining us, brother. We'll see you soon. See you, there you have it. And, uh, Will, you said it before, young, enthusiastic. They're, they're two things that really jumped out talking to Sammy. And just a wealth of experience, not only from his playing days around the globe, but also has a lot of coaching already, you know, in his rearview mirror. So he doesn't actually come to Austin as an experienced coach, He's got a lot of coaching miles already, and he's learnt from some of the best in the game.
3: That's you, Will. Over to you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. Like I, I'm, like you said, like I just I've been sort of taken aback by how much preparation him and Mark and and all the background staff Austin have done so far um, in terms of planning and and just getting the boys around it. You know, like we would we would genuinely be looking forward to these weekly Zoom calls because you get to learn a bit about each each other, a bit about the players. Um, obviously about the staff What they've got in planned like, plan for us um, It's just going to be super exciting and, and like I've said before, I can't wait
0: Yep, exciting times down there for sure uh, Looking forward to having both those guys Over in Major League Rugby Let's jump across now To one of your teammates for next year uh, Came out of the blue, literally Off the blue ocean uh, To play for Seattle in 2019 We saw him a couple of games last year It's the Canadian International uh, Former Player of the Year Over for the Ospreys, talking about the flying winger, Jeff Hasler, who joined Pete Steinberg earlier. Jeff Hasler,
1: welcome to MLR Kickoff.
4: Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to it.
1: It, It's great to have you here. You're um, one of the stars of the Canadian national team, have been for a long time, Uh, have have experience um, overseas at the World Cup, was at Seattle, won a championship in Seattle, and now is in Austin. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that journey. So, you know, you, you burst into the scene, what, 2011, 2012 with some sevens, went to 15s. Talk about how your move to Swansea, how your move to the Ospreys happened.
4: Um, yeah, it takes, me, uh, it takes me quite a ways back. But at that point, I was actually um, playing university football, American football in Saskatchewan um and was doing kind of the under 20 stuff on the side uh with the canadian national team um really really enjoyed it uh had an awesome time we were we were in russia and we just kind of went to crazy places that you didn't get to do sort of that sort of stuff with football right right um and then i suppose yeah it was the the 2011 world cup um and then after that there was kind of a wave of guys that naturally do retire um, and move on and at the time the coach um, Kieran Crowley and then the sevens coach Garrett John um, approached me and said hey this is the kind of the time that would would fit you to to make the move um, and it just kind of happened that uh, with the the football stuff I, I loved it but and I'd done it my whole life thought that's exactly what I was going to do but um, I just kind of was drawn to rugby for whatever reason and at, at that time I couldn't I put a finger on exactly what it was but decided I was going to leave two weeks before preseason was meant to happen in, in Saskatoon <laughs> um, moved out to Vancouver Island and started doing the the seventh circuit um, I didn't know anybody out here at all lived by myself um, in like a basement suite uh, started training with the guys uh, and then eventually got my got myself onto the the sevens touring side for the, the circuit. And it was just a blast. I think I was like 19. Yeah, another
1: opportunity for rugby, right. To go around the world, see oh. all these amazing places.
4: It, it was just, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I think that was the, the beginning of a whole lot for me, just experiencing life in the world and spending a lot of time with just good guys. Like I, I'm still super, super close with all the guys from that particular sevens team. A lot of those guys are still playing sevens um, and I'm still close with them. But um, yeah, I mean, you're 19, 20 years old in a new city, Vancouver Island, um, having a great time and then traveling the world to right. South Africa and Dubai. And, you know, like it's just a, a really cool experience. So um, jumped full into that, um, really enjoyed it. Uh, we, I think, yeah, that first year went to Hong Kong and um, we got ourselves as one of the, the main stays on the circuit that year. We usually, we were kind of an invitational team. Right. but we won the Hong Kong sevens uh, when I was there and the boys became a full time circuit uh, team. So that was pretty cool. And then it was uh, the last two tournaments, I think of 2012, the, they were Glasgow before that got changed and then London and um, myself and Tyler Ardron, good, good friend of mine. Um, we were approached from a, an agent in the UK um, came up to Glasgow and said, you've got some interest um, from professional clubs. And that, at that point, I hadn't even thought of it, like not right. even crossed my mind. I was just having a good time um, playing for my country and really, you know, I had only been in it for a year, a year and a half. So that was a fun thing to do. I was still doing school, um, hadn't put any thought to it. Uh, and then I guess the next weekend we went down to London and he said, okay, well, we've got Ospreys here and their coaches are in the stands watching me play. Um, can you meet with them? And I remember I actually played Wales in my last pool game and pulled my groin and then walked out of Twickenham Stadium into like the concourse area in full Canada, kit boots still on after the game and had a conversation uh, with Griff Rees, the backs coach of Ospreys. Um, and at that point, I was like, you know, what, sounds good to me. Um, it sounds like a pretty cool experience. We didn't like didn't touch on contract salary any of that sort of stuff it was just like a quick exchange and I was like you know what sign me up like let's, let's see what could happen um and then the process started I think three weeks later I was there with two duffel bags didn't know anybody uh, and just moved in <laughs> I, mean, like,
1: I mean it sounds like there's a lot of experiences of you turning up somewhere for rugby and not knowing anyone like like you seem to jump uh, yeah. in with both feet you're just like I'm just gonna go there for the experience
4: that is exactly it yeah
1: now now you know not many people probably in the states realize but there are, you know, probably two places in the world, right, in when, where rugby is the number one sport that people really follow, and one's Wales and one's New Zealand. So what was it like going from sort of, you know, Saskatchewan, where, like, people knew rugby but not really that big a deal, to going to Swansea, where, like, the passion there is really great? What was, like, you know, what, what was the first time you realised that it was different?
4: Oh man, I can tell you day one, uh, some seriously funny stories if I look back on it, but like, I didn't know the team I was going to, I didn't know Welsh rugby. I'd done a U17 tour to Wales and I'd played all the regional teams. So I'd actually played some of the guys that I played with, um, as a Canada selects team, which was also hilarious. I didn't know that for a year after being on the team, (laughs) Right. Um, but I mean, getting there, I was so naive to to rugby, you know, like I'd only played maybe three years of, my actual adult life. Um, and my focus was football. Like that was always it. I wanted to go to the CFL and I wanted to play. Um, so I showed up there and I just come off the, well, five players have just come off the back of a British lions tour. And I didn't know any of them. And they won't mind me saying this now because I know them pretty well, but like, I had no idea. Like there's Richard Hibbert and, um, Ian Evans and Alan Wynne Jones and Tipperick. Like these are guys that are like the pinnacle of sport and they're on my team. And I, could not tell you their names when I showed up there, you know, like it was that experience and I couldn't understand them. Like, I'm like, these guys are speaking English, but they're not really speaking English. So, um, it was, it was totally, it was cool. But
1: was, there, was there a moment when you were like, I made a big mistake or was it, you went in and it was, it, it was just, it, you know, it was, it was a different experience, but you were open to it. They were, you know, they made you feel there's no homesickness. There was nothing, nothing like that.
4: No, I've, I've never really, um, being susceptible I suppose to homesickness and that sort of thing um if yeah if if I do something it's usually 100% all in and I was I sold all my stuff in three weeks went over like I said with two duffel bags showed up at the training facility and was like all right let's go crack on and um I think that's kind of like the the mentality you need to have coming from North America and like I think at that point ignorance was a little bit bliss in my position um you go overwhelmed you weren't like these are these amazing players you're like these just be guys just like me kind exactly of. yeah and i didn't i didn't know so i got into training and i was like i can only do what i can do um and then i think everybody at that point was like okay well it's just another dude that's in here doing it and i i yeah i did everything that i possibly could learning wise and getting upscaled that first year was like a crazy learning curve just like the level of content and and learning from guys that are the, 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 the best in the game. Right. right. Um, and so that sort of stuff I had to kind of like reel myself in. And once you realize that these guys are a big deal um, I think it was like my first official game we were in con and it was just after the lions tour, all the Lions guys were on the bench and I'm on the bench in my first game. And um, they're just talking like normal guys. And they're like, man, I really hope my, the prop starting the game doesn't go in and, or I don't have to go in for 20, 20 minutes or more. Right. Like, right. they're like saying the same thing that like other guys are like, I don't, if, if I don't have to get in this game, like I'll, I'll have one more week to like, rest right. I just finished the Lions tour. Right. And then we go out to the bars after and every person in there is like going nuts over these people, buying them drinks. And you know, I'm in Galway and I'm having a great time with like five British lions and I didn't even know like the extent of it. So it was just, yeah, it was pretty cool. So, you know, you were um,
1: in, at, at the Ospreys for five years. What was what was the highlight for you in those five years? I mean, I know you played, like, you made the, uh, you know, um, the team of the season, I think, in 2014. But, but when you look back, what was sort of, like, the biggest game or the best experience that you had?
4: Oh, man, there's a lot um, that I really enjoyed there. But I think the European Cup was always a huge, huge thing. I enjoyed that. I liked um, challenging ourselves against the Prem teams and, you know, there's always our league's better than this league and the Prem better. And, you know, so playing at that top level, I think I I was fortunate enough to do that four out of the five years, maybe three out of the five, um, where we hadn't dropped down. Um, That was really, really awesome. Playing against the top echelon, you know, like matching up against George North, those sorts of things were really cool. Um, but my, for me, my standout 100 percent was the the first uh, playoff game that I ever played, and I think it was the 2014 year. Yeah, we played Munster away, um, and it was just a, a crazy game, onslaught from them from the get go, and just Mun- Munster and
1: money. Munster is a that's a hard place to go.
4: Yeah, and uh, it was it was awesome. Um, yeah, genuine awesome rugby experience and. Uh, a really crazy game and ups and downs and everybody was fighting for it. And I never ended up making it to a final. And it was just funny. When I got to Seattle, um, I said I've never played in a final in my entire sporting career in any sport, which was pretty unreal. Right.
1: Right. right. Which is, so people don't realize that, right. They don't realize that when you play at the high level, most people don't make finals, right. They can have a very long career and they, and they can don't make finals, but we'll, we'll, we'll get on to Seattle, but you obviously were the secret source for them in that in that second year but before we get there you know you were um with the ospreys doing really well i mean you were a fan favorite right and then you choose to step away from the game so talk a little bit about about that decision Uh,
4: yeah so i mean that i mean the there was there's no bad blood or anything between myself and anyone at ospreys um the circumstances of my situation I had an extra year on my co- my contract um uh, it was an option year for both me and the club um at that point many of my closer friends which um were guys in similar situations that have come from different countries had moved on to uh, different clubs as well um and then there was just kind of a a change in the environment um management and and staffing and stuff that um, had had made kind of waves within the team Uh, I had been on the leadership group for two my last two seasons there so I was involved in quite a lot of the higher level conversations and how the day-to-day stuff runs Um, and I didn't actually agree with it personally on on a lot of levels and again I haven't um, spoke about it to to many people and the question hasn't really been asked which is fair enough Um, and then my my priorities uh, slightly shifted with that I I didn't see quite the level of um, loyalty that I would have liked towards other players I still had a contract that I could have taken Um, but the way that they were handling certain things uh, with people that I thought were uh, massive parts of the program just didn't quite sit right so Um, I had made the decision and it was within my contract that I had to submit um, formal documentation at a specific date, which was quite early in that last season, uh, 2018, Um, which at the time, Stephen Tandy was still the coach. I had a great relationship with him and he was blown back a little bit and was like, whoa, Um, didn't anticipate that. We were previously having a conversation about how we can make improvements to the team and, and those sorts of things, right? Um, and then things kind of turned upside down. He ended up getting sacked and, uh, I said, you know what, you know, this is kind of a time for me to take a step back. There were other things that I I wanted to do. I didn't really know if I were to have continued there, if I would have been, um, as happy as I possibly could have been with other choices. So, um, I made the decision that I was going to at least take a year out, but in my brain, I had made the decision that I had done everything that I really wanted to do um, with sport overseas, um, and with, um, having done a world cup in 2015 and and that sort of thing. And I said, rugby, I didn't grow up playing since I was three years old. Um, right. You know, it wasn't my end all do all. I had an amazing experience and it was something that came hot and fast. Um, and I said, there's, there's, there's other stuff I'd like to do. So that was the decision that I made at that time.
1: You know, I think it's, it's interesting because, uh, one of the challenges that professional athletes have is the um, uh, their um, self-image as an athlete is who they are. And so it becomes very difficult for them to walk away, but it sounds like for you, that wasn't who you are. Um, and you wanted, there were other things that you want to do. So talk about some of the other things that were like, you know, cause because you could have played somewhere else, right? You could have played professional rugby in Europe with another team. Mm-hmm. Talk about some of the reasons why that wasn't the choice for you and like what, what? What were the things that were pulling you away from the game?
4: Yeah, I think there was um, there was a pretty specific moment when I was in the UK when I said, "Okay, I'm 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 good for a bit here, and I'm I'm ready to to try something else." Um, and that was when it changed from me playing for the right reasons. And I could have, um, I would, if I had stayed for that extra year at Ospreys, I would have got my British passport. Um, which then would have made me a, would have a right? yeah, it would have opened
1: up everything, right? Would made you much yes. more attractive. So
4: everything that I would have been doing, um, uh, every every team has a quota, right? So it's tough, super, super hard for North Americans to come overseas and play. Um, you a got to get yourself solidified in that team and have value, and then get that passport. So then you don't count, right? So I was four months away from getting it. Um, and I chose that that wasn't an, an important factor. Like, cause at that point, then I would potentially be playing for years after that. Maybe I signed another two, three year contract. Um, but at the time I was like, okay, well at this point I'm playing solely for money. And that wasn't something that I wanted to do. Um, I never signed up to, to play rugby for, to be a professional athlete. Like the reason why I switched from football to rugby was because of the people, the right. community, the camaraderie, and the experiences that it gave me. Um, and that is the 100% truth of it. Um, I got to do so many really cool things in my time in Wales. And I was like, but if I'm not doing it for the right reasons, and I'm doing it just to be comfortable with a paycheck, then that's just not for me. Now, um, you ended up on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> like, how did you end up on a boat? Um, well, that was one of the things, so, I mean, rugby is interesting, especially when you're overseas. So you get your, your onslaught for 11 months of the year. And then when you tie in international duties and things like that, you don't get a whole lot of time off. So when you do, it's like, you really got to make the most of your time. Um, one week was always, I have to go back to Canada and see my, my mom and my dad. Um, my mom would kill me if I didn't. So I'm like, okay, well, I've got a month off. And so that's one week with days of travel in between. Um, And then me being the kind of guy that I am, I want to go out and do something. So um, go travel different countries, different experiences, culture. Um, And then ended up doing a a couple of sailing trips and just had some of like the best times of my, of my life, just pure freedom where I'm no calls, no, there's nothing It's just do what you want. And literally the wind takes you where you go. It sounds cliche, but it was a pretty cool experience. So that's something that I started kind of getting more and more interested in. Um, And at that point I was like, I could have, like you said, gone to a different club um, and played and I'm like, okay, next thing you know, I signed for a three-year deal. And I, at that time I was 20, 27. I was like, then I'm 30. And then at that point I'm starting to think this is my, practical mind like i'm not playing rugby for my whole life um i need to come home and i need to uh, you know find the next career or whatever and then i'd miss the time to do the things that the 19 year old jeff always wanted to do you know right right um so that's what it came down to it was there are a whole lot of things that in my life i wanted to do and experiences i want to have and um, adventures, that kind of stuff um people will 100 percent be like, well, you're playing professional rugby. It's something that lots of people can't do. And I'm like, but that again, that's, that's their opinions. And there's a whole lot of stuff that before professional rugby came up that I wanted to do and experiences. So how do I balance it? Um, I said, take a year out, maybe more, however long, um, I hadn't, yeah, I, in my brain, I had closed the book on it, but then again, yeah, next thing you know, I ended up coming back. So, I mean, um, I went, I went down to yeah, South Africa and spent six months, got my sailing ticket. Um, I had an amazing sailing experience the first time being the official captain after the world cup, uh, with 10 of the guys in Thailand this year, like all of my decisions have, have come back. A lot of times you sit there and wonder if it's the right thing to do, but came back and I look at it and I'm like, I wouldn't have changed a single thing. So, so you're on a boat in South Africa, yeah. And who who calls you and says, "Hey, yeah." So, I I come back to rugby? Yeah, I mean, I what did I do? I I left in what September of the year before ish, and then did a backpacking trip with my younger brother for two and a half months. We slept in a tent, backpacked from Vancouver, Canada to Texas, um, hiking mountains and living in a tent basically. And then spent time with my family, and then January fourth, yeah, I went to South Africa. I did five and a half months of pretty intensive sailing, um, and the whole time I had Phil Mack over at Seattle Seawolves <laughs> in my ear, and I've known Phil since since I started um, right. with when I moved out here um, from Saskatchewan was in 2012, and uh, we've been super super good buddies ever since, um, and he was obviously player coaching down there, right. and. Um, I think it, at that point it was Peter Tiberio. He had a pretty severe injury and they're like, you know, we're playoff push here um, and we need a winger. And I genuinely was on a boat. Like, I remember when I got his first message, I was sailing in South Africa and I was like, dude, I haven't even thought about rugby nor touched a weight or ran in like five months. Right. And he's like, we don't care. Like I've talked to the owners, like we'll get you in here. When's your ticket done? And I said, I think it was May, May 10th or something. And the season was, you know, four games until the, the, the playoffs and they were just in that four or five position. He's like, you could really be a a factor to help us here. Um, And he's like, I get it. You're, you know, he, he actually had a stint over with Ospreys as well for a little bit. he, He knows what the environment's like. And he goes, you know, one one more year, we'll let's retire together after the World Cup, if that's what you want to do. He's like, then you can go sail into the sunset. So then I'm sitting on the boat, and I've got like, guys from all over the all over the world. There's a British guy who's a rugby mad, and he's like, you got a chance to go to a World Cup, and you're not going to go? Like, you got to think about it. Um, so he goes, I'll start running with you. He's like, I got to get back in shape, too. So we, I said, you know what, okay, let's let's see where this goes. I was like, I don't know if it's going to be me going to the World Cup, but You know what? He makes a good point. If I got a shot to do it, um, it's something I don't want to look back on in 10 years and say, you know, I had a chance to do something pretty cool and and go experience Japan, which is something that I really, really wanted to do. So I started doing it, started running on the beach in South Africa, trying to get myself as remotely close to game fitness (laughs) because they basically said, we've got four games. If we're bringing you in, you're playing. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So, Pretty much again, jumping straight in, two feet. So, um, come in,
1: play in a final, right? Win a yeah. championship. Um, you know, go to the World Cup. Okay, so so check check check. Um, what what brought you back in twenty twenty?
4: Honestly, I loved I loved Seattle. It was super fun. I think the group of guys there, I'm still very close with a lot of them. Um, so the
1: expe- like like so because you've talked a lot about experience and environment right and so when the experience is good and the environment is good like you're fine hanging out if the experience isn't new and the environment isn't good like yeah you know you're exactly. gonna do something else
4: yeah i think um i think that's as far as rugby went um my my thing to you before was i'm not gonna play for the wrong reasons um and i made that very very firm in my in my brain Um, so I went back to, I I wouldn't say use Seattle. I think we were mutually had invested, uh, reasons for me coming there. Um, but it was, it was fun. It was different. It wasn't like Europe where, um, it's intense there. Like every day, all day media, like you said, Wales, everyone's tuned in. Um, this was obviously a very different league. Um, and for where I was, I, I wasn't going to play for money in Seattle. I went there to have a good time, to get back into rugby and then go to a World Cup. And when I was there, I felt I, I genuinely enjoyed my rugby again. It wasn't, it wasn't a job. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think a lot of
1: people, you know, I think a lot of the view of the MLR from overseas is it's, a, it's, a, um, it's, it's very much an attacking league, right? Mm-hmm. There's lots of points that get scored. Um, and I, I think, I think a lot of players that I've spoken to that played overseas do actually say it's just more fun. Like a lot of guys, especially guys that maybe would have sat on the bench in the UK would prefer to come here and play fun rugby, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like it's hard, it's fast, it's fun, but it's like that there isn't the pressure that you have, you know, where if you, you know, drop the ball and you lose the game, like your neighbor doesn't talk to you kind of stuff, right?
4: I mean, yeah, I, I think there's like, there's honestly massive Growth for that to be the case, like rugby, is just still very new in America. I think it, the difference was, is it, it's it's the people of it as well. It's like okay, you go you go to to Swansea, you go to Wales, and you've got British lines there. There's expectations. It's for them that is their life, their their soul. Right. Um, whereas over here, yeah, you get good players from you know like um, from England, from different countries that are coming over now. And they're not, not good players. They're very good players and they're in those programs, but they come and they're having a proper experience where they're like, you know what, I'm not holding the bag, slogging it out, you know, 40 hours a week while the first team runs against me. Like they get to play rugby, express themselves and do it for the reasons that they fell in love with the sport in the first place. And I think that's literally what happened to me when I went back there, I was like, this is fun again. Um, I get to play, play rugby and be in an environment that I really enjoy. And that I fell in love with in the first place with a good group of guys. Seattle definitely had a good group of guys um, still do. And I think that's why they had their early success and stuff. Right. Um, And it was a really cool city closer to home. I've been away for six, like all of those factors all came into it. Um, So at that point it was, yeah, it was a good thing. And luckily I got myself onto the world cup squad and stuff. And then after that, I was like, you know what, I've got a little bit of diesel in the tank left.
1: that's great but so you know and and i appreciate jeff you've been really open about about your journey we've got one more step to go right so so you come back to seattle there's four games i think you play in one game because you i think you were carrying an injury right in 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 2020 um and now you're going to austin um i was wondering on your on your backpacking from vancouver down to texas did you stop off in austin and you were like wow this is a cool city i could come and play rugby here was that is is, is that part of it or what What's the decision to go to Austin? Um,
4: Well, okay. So a portion of it is, again, I've been gone for so long um, and away from family. And a big factor was that two of my brothers and sister-in-law live in Houston. Okay. Um, So they've been there for years. And I said, you know what? It'd be really nice to go down. And they spend a lot of time in Austin themselves. um, Go go up there mountain biking, hiking, uh, lake country, all that sort of stuff. Um, and they really like the city. So I said, you know, it'd be really nice to – my brothers have never seen me play any rugby live. They watch it on TV all the time, and I said that would be a really, really cool experience for me to have those guys around to watch me play my last um, couple of seasons of rugby or however long I decide to go for. Um, Obviously, I'm in the the winding down years of my career, but um, that was a major, major factor. And then um, because of that, then I started – you know speaking more to management and staff and um, honestly I just think they've got a really really awesome thing um, that's kind of brewing down down in Austin I think with the new management new ownership new coaches coming in um, a lot of guys that are returnee players but even from speaking to them now that I've been signed up um, just a different feel a fresh take on it and like there's a lot of Optimism, and um, I think they're just doing it in the right way. And it's a place that I think I would fit in really well. Um, you know, like good big personalities and um, a good coaching staff that um, kind of are trying to instill, you know, your own individual personalities and flair and that sort of stuff. And I think it's just a, a good fit for me.
1: Well, look, I appreciate the time. I have, I have just one last question to finish up, and uh, this has just been a great, a great story and I appreciate it. So, you know, you're someone that, that that played at the highest level overseas, you were on the leadership team of the of the Ospreys, like played with British Lions. If if one of those guys came to you and said, you know, tell us tell us what's good about the MLR and then tell us what the MLR needs to do to to grow, what would those two things be?
4: Oh man. <laughs> Uh, I've got guys messaging me all the time that want to come over that are <laughs> players, man. I mean, it's, it's harder to get into than you think. Um, right. uh, I think the, well, the main, the main poll is, you know, every, every time I was there for five years in the UK, guys were asking about North American sport. Like that is, you know, they see it on TV. They see the NFL, the NBA, the way it's marketed, all of those things. There's a huge pull for that, um, which I think is a massive platform that the MLR can utilize. Um, And, you know, they're doing the right things now to kind of, to make it into one of those mainstay sports. And that's exciting because America does sports better than anyone else in the world. And that's just a fact. Um, So I think that is uh, really, really enticing, but um, they're they're doing the right things at the moment and and getting um, players interested from overseas and the quality of rugby is going up Every, every single day. I think it's, it is key to, to mix um, different nations in and have, you know, the, the quotas is a good thing so you don't flood the, the league. You keep it pure in that sense. But yeah, you've got to get guys in that, um, that, are, that are keen to, to build the brand that are from other nations. And I think that's, you know, you see like the Maananus and those sorts of things and people are like, okay, hold on a minute, what's going on over there? And I think that is the next step to really building it. And we're three to five years away from this thing really taking off. I genuinely believe that.
1: Well, I I, I lied because I have one more question. Sure. Um, uh, Vancouver, M L R city. You think there would be? It would be a good city for M L R.
4: Oh man, Vancouver is a rugby mad. I think when I was still in Wales, I think that's when in 2016 is when the first Vancouver sevens came up, and. A bar like Hong Kong. Some of the guys said Vancouver by far their favorite. I've been
1: there. Yeah, it's it's like yeah. nuts. Forty thousand it, people. It's like
4: it's crazy. Uh, there's tons of stuff to do. The city's amazing. I think for sure it would be a, a hot bid for for MLR. Um,
1: and it it would be it would be a great um, ending point for your rugby career, right? If you could finish up,
4: right, just settle right in home. Yeah, yeah, coming
1: home, playing there. Any 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 Vancouver investors listening? I think. I think Jeff Hassler would put his hand up if, uh, if, if a couple of years from now there was a team there. So, Jeff, right. I want to thank you so much for your time um, and your honesty on, on your journey. It was fascinating to hear some of the stuff, as you said, um, you haven't spoken to um, spoken about before. Um, I know Dan wish, wishes he could be here as the number one Gilgroniak, but um, you've got some pretty good fly halves down there. So I think you're going to be getting that ball in some space. So we're excited to see you um, in the season next year
4: yeah I'm really looking forward to it I think uh, I think it's going to be a good season and uh, I think yeah, Gil grony has got a good shot at, at doing some pretty, uh, pretty awesome things so yeah looking forward to it and thank you very much for, for having me tonight
0: hello Major League Rugby fans Dan Power here the voice of Major League Rugby for my co-host Pete Steinberg and the entire team at MLR kickoff we wanted to wish you all a happy holidays and new. stay safe stay healthy and stay tuned as MLR returns in 2021. And Pete, I'll go to you first on this one. What an exciting player for Austin. Just bolsters that outside back. And what a luxury for guys like Will to have an experienced winger, either on his inside or his outside now. Just options galore for that back line.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know that we've we've actually seen the best of Jeff Hassel on a consistent basis in MLR. Um, I think, you know, it's... Uh, I think that there's been some injury issues, right? Um, And I also think that maybe um, Seattle isn't, the way Seattle played wasn't the way that brought out the best in him. But there is, you know, talk about dynamic runner, great feet, great defender, um, you know, can play 13, can play um, in the back three. And I think you're right. And it it goes back to Will's comment of when you've got players of that quality, um, but you don't know where they're going to play, or if they're going to be in the starting fifteen, that's nothing but good. It makes um, competition better in the preseason and at practice. But most importantly, it it provides depth. I mean, it, if, if you look um, at the experience of of Seattle in the first two years, primarily, I mean, they're a very good team, but they also had. Um, the, I think the first year they had the least number of players that they used. I think they used thirty one players in the whole of that first season. Um, and you know, having your best players on the field is is, is a real key. But it's going to be a real attritional season. It's going to be long. It's going to be week in, week out. And so people need depth. And I think um, that's what Austin is building. And for you,
0: Will, what do you think of, obviously, Jeff as a player and having him come down to Austin?
3: Yeah, it's massive. Um, like having someone of his calibre who's got such experience overseas and at international World Cup level. Um, Good-looking guy as well. So, you know,
1: hopefully that puts a few bums on seats. Um, Oh. I'm, 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 I, and Austin, Austin's a pretty good party town, so there'll be a lot of people that are like Jeff. You, hey, hey, you want to go out? Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll go with the good-looking guy. <laughs> let me, let me... <laughs> are you asking Jeff out, please? I, no, no. I'm, <laughs> like, first of all, I'm, I'm a happily married man, well, so I'm not asking. <laughs> I'm just saying a single guy might want to go out with the really good-looking guy That's in true. a place like Austin. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's just, got those yeah. long, luscious locks. I mean, Will, you're going to be able to, you know, bring your former experience as a hair conditioner model
3: to, <laughs> to Jeff. To Jeff. I, it sounds like I'll just be picking up his scraps down on 6th Street, but that's fine by me.
0: I was just thinking, build the drill, kind of like Frank the Tank, right? You've got a puppy. You're responsible now. You're not into that life anymore. But is build the drill going to come back when Jeff, you know, the – the tugboat dreamboat comes down
1: into Austin Are when you're going to see it, Bill- when, it, when it's safe to do so, Dan.
3: That's right.
1: That's right. That's true. When it's safe to do so. So, yeah, fortunately, um, you know, I, I wonder, Dan, because Austin hasn't done, you know, hasn't had an illustrious history so far in MLR. And I do wonder if it's the nightlife that might have got in the way of some of that. And so maybe if we see Austin come out of the gates really, really strong, well, no, it's because there's not much they can do at night in sixth street and the guys are really focused on their rugby but beware sam harris later on in the season if <laughs> things are will bad.
3: is there any truth to that rumor are you taking i mean it it is- i've definitely been i mean we used to circle it as a as a as a weekend away you know go down there pick up your five points which it was for the past few years and then have a good <laughs> night out but hopefully we'll turn that into a bit more of a fortress that's um, what i like uh, i mean and then again guess going back to your old question about circling dates. I think we've got New York on a Thursday night, so before a week off, so that could be pretty fun. In New York? No, no, no. In, in no
0: okay. Yeah. Hopefully not too fun for them, huh? Yeah. Make that a tough road trip. All right, mate, let's jump around the grounds now. We'll get some of the news happening in Major League Rugby with signings, extensions, and other tidbits and get your thoughts on it. First, my old teammate, Nesse Malifa. He leaves Rugby ATL and he goes into Texas with Dallas to join the staff at the Jackals. Pete, uh, coaching, that's your wheelhouse. I thought he did a a pretty remarkable job with the backs down there at Rugby ATL and got the best out of some of those players. Uh, Is this uh, a big loss for Rugby ATL or just a big game for Dallas here? How do you see this one playing out?
1: I think it's a big game for Dallas. Um, I think that it brings um, an American coach in, um, a little bit more knowledge of the um, American landscape, which I think is good. And I think he did a great job with the backs. So I think it's I think it's a big win and a big upgrade um, for Dallas. It'll be interesting to see what to do, right? I think assistant coaches, quality assistant coaches, are actually pretty difficult to come by. I mean, there's a lot of teams that use players, right, as 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 the uh, um, player coaches and assistant coaches. So it's interesting to see Dallas invest and build a real professional coaching staff. But I think that's a big uh, a big win for for um, for. Uh, Dallas and someone. It goes back to what what Will said. You know, someone who's young enough that has played relatively recently and can connect with um, the players on the game. I think that's uh, I think that's important.
0: Yeah, I think the, the writing was on the wall, right, Pete? Because we saw Stephen Brett from the Glendale Raptors right. kind of make the announcement. He's going to Atlanta, and you know, you're not going to get two feet in one shoe down there. So this felt like it was coming, and I'm really happy for Nessay that he lands on his feet in Dallas and. You have any experience? I'm pretty sure you probably didn't play against Nesse. Well, just for the, the age difference, but you ever ever ran into him or had a chance? To, I know you played with Atta quite a bit, but Nesse ever pop in?
3: Yeah, we we used to see Nesse from time to time over in Denver, obviously playing with Atta for a few years. But I mean, both both Nesse and Atta, two of the most talented players when they were when they were playing, you know. So it's awesome to see a. Americans go into the coaching role sort of straight off the bat finishing. And it's, it's good that there's like a pathway now. So definitely a good pickup for Dallas and, and look forward to, to catching up with Nesse when we play them.
0: Well, let's go into some pickup signings. We'll go with uh, Austin first, mate. Uh, McLean Jones, he joins you guys. Pretty experienced guy. He played, uh, I think, one game of Super Rugby for the Tars, but played some high level, uh, what would be NPC or, or, you know, the the national domestic competition in Australia which I can't for the life of me remember what it's called. NRC, isn't it? NRC, yeah, changes every National year. National
4: rugby
3: championship. Yeah, I can't keep
0: up with it. But anyway, he comes to you guys. Another, it's a good back role, mate. Probably play him at eight, you would think?
3: Uh, yeah, I'm not too sure. I think, I think the, the thing that's great about him is he's versatile. So he can play six, seven or eight. Um, but yeah, he was, I think he was, again, he was meant to join us uh, last year um, before everything sort of happened. So it's good, good to get McLean on board and, um, I know he's really excited to to get into Austin hopefully in the next few weeks or so, but yeah, I think he's a big, big, big time defender and hopefully can sort of um, play a real big leadership role with our quite young, but exciting back row, which is, um, which is sort of a strength of ours.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, um, I think I think it's, it's a good ad. I mean, he's a little bit undersized for a number eight in um, in super rugby because he's like six one, but I think he could definitely do a job. And I think the, um, you know it's 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 interesting you know more and more of these young guys that that are squad players in in super rugby or in the premiership are looking to major league rugby as places to play because they actually get to step onto the field and develop and so um i think when we see these guys in their early 20s come on over here you know we might see them um play here for a few years and then and then and then end up going back and maybe getting that um you know a little bit more experience but um I think, I think that young back row that, um, that Austin has is really talented and, and bringing a guy in that's got that kind of experience will be useful. Yeah, absolutely. Let's keep going over to the other Gills, the LA Giltinis.
0: Uh, Billy Zane Meeks, he signs from the Rebels in Super Rugby. I think he's just playing over in the Premiership as well at the moment. So once his commitments there are done, he'll head to LA. Along with Luke Cardi and Sione Tuihalamaka, a guy who's been around since the old pro rugby days, uh, Bill. He was at the San Diego Tropics and uh, San Diego Legion more recently. But uh, some other, another good batch of pickups there. I'll go with you, Pete. LA, putting quite the roster together.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Luke Carty is a really interesting sign-in because um, uh, brother of an Irish international and U.S. qualified through the grandparents. So relatively young guy came up through the Connacht Academy, um, and so I wonder if that's an opportunity for Gary Gold, um, young guy, probably more on the development side in um, LA, but it's nice for them to bring an American over. And, um, you know, I think Billy Meeks brings, brings a lot of really good experience. Um, you know, there's a, there's, there's definitely going to be um, more Australian accents um, around uh, the MLR this season, Dan. So um, you know, lots of your fellow countrymen that you'll be able to joke around with and, uh, um, you know, um, put shrimps on the barbie with. Yeah, very, very nice stereotype,
0: Pete. I'm going to go back to, to Luke Carty here and I'm, I'm in Bill the Drill camp. No vacancy, pal. Go back to Ireland. The number 10 jersey for the USA, not available. Bill the Drill's got it locked up through 2023. So go back to Connick. Yeah, you know, we don't need you over here. Right, Bill? What are you, got no, a message no, no, for him? No, no, you no, no, you no. were saying off air that you said he's a massive cat and uh, he can't tackle... The only tackle he's ever done was when he went fishing once. And that was useless too. He lost that in the first cast. What else were you saying about him?
3: No, no, I don't, I don't know, Luke. It's good to have him over here. I do, I do, know, I do know Billy, though. Um, I spent a bit of time with Billy over in Perth um, and and uh, knew him actually when when he was in Gloucester uh, through a mutual friend. So, uh, no, LA are definitely put together a good side. Um, they obviously got some of my former teammates scattered in there as well with Mika and, and Muscles and... Blake Rogers and Boyer so it's going to be good it's going to be good the battle yeah, of the I mean, gills. I mean that's actually
1: right like like the the battle of the gills for you is going can be pretty personal because half of their roster is going to be the Glendale roster right Your yeah you of... can finally get payback for all the times that you didn't pass to them when they were open oh uh, yeah I'm not, sure, I'm not sure
3: muscles has many complaints after his try scoring that's out. true that's
1: probably true <laughs> i noticed you
0: didn't didn't mention Luke White, some Bad Blood there you want to get out on the show as well you know Round two, you got a little shoulder for whitey. You didn't give him one of these oh, ones? No,
2: oh,
3: oh. <laughs> I, yeah, definitely bad blood there after all the times you kept me up snoring for sure. <laughs> I know he's a little softy under, underneath all that aggro anyway, so, so I mean half
1: your all your roommates are in LA now.
3: Like, all my old roommates, yeah. But when you play when you play the M L L long enough and you scatter around your your roommates are gonna be everywhere, so <laughs> Yeah, that is true. That well, is let's true. go
0: down, down the coast to San Diego. Hankus Van Wijk, he signs with them, as is Cam Clark, the son of uh, legendary commentator Greg Clark, So, uh, but not riding his dad's coattails at all. Quite an amazing player at sevens and fifteens. He's had uh, quite the career. And uh, Santiago Gonzalez uh, Iglesias, former Argentinian international. I think he's got 40-plus caps there. Yeah, 32 great- years of age, Pete, but we kind of looked at... You know, Luke uh, Burton leaving, we had J.P. Declassee, and we were kind of thinking, well, there's a bit of a hole there, and we saw um, J.P. Peterson coming back, and now this one kind of makes sense as well. Santiago is an outstanding 10, and he'll right. be well in that system there.
1: Yeah, I think I think the interesting pick up there for me is um, Henkers Van Wick because tight head prop, um, some professional experience, but has been... Um, you know got got a couple of super um, super rugby caps in south africa has been in Japan those aren't certain things in MLR right like like you can see players that have had good careers overseas but if they haven't had really extensive like a super league run or like some international exposure in, in you know at the highest level those guys can come they can be great but they can't they can sometimes not work out so that's one to watch. I think that's a you know potentially a great pickup for San Diego. Um, they're building some depth at prop but it'll be interesting to see how he goes
0: yeah and an interesting one a local player for Toronto Mark Antonio uh, from Montreal got a bit of a football background again uh, crossover athlete six four two seven, big boy so yep. Toronto pulling a little bit of talent out of the uh, Quebec is it province we'll count it province. is a province, yeah. province there we go look at me Mr. Geography just kicking goals with both feet now, let's go to extensions now Nola Kevin O'Connor St. Mary's product, tough player. One of the best red card uh, dodgers I've ever seen in MLR. I don't know if you saw that game, Bill. He comes off the back of the line out to a loose ball and decap- decapitates Kevin Coleman. And then the ref gives him a yellow. And you we watched the replay and we're like, oh, not only is he getting a red, he's going to get eight weeks on the sideline. Yeah. I, think, I think retrospectively he did get suspended, but not saying that Kevin's a dirty player. Great player, great back row depth down there at New Orleans, uh, along with Devin Short, Malcolm May. A bunch of other guys, they're going to be a good side again. Uh, how how's your experience been playing against New Orleans? You've been down to the new facility?
3: Uh, I've not been to the new facility. Um, but again, go back to what you're talking about in Bermuda, some of those Nola lads, top boys, you know, they've got a great squad down there. Um, obviously, guys like Feek, JP, Howie, uh, Carl, like those guys. Um, Cam Dolan, obviously one of my good mates. So, I think everything about the Bayou is is, is on the rise. And I, I actually really like what they're doing in terms of trying to sign young American talent. I think that's something that's awesome. Um, obviously, that's a bit of a plug for them, but like it's so important that we are re- remembering why MLR started in the first place to try and develop yeah, young American talent and, and whatnot. So uh, hats off to to all the backroom staff at NOLA and what they're doing, trying to bring guys like Devin through and stuff like that.
1: Um, so is was
3: NOLA circled? I'm sorry, that that you
1: can mean? Go down there. Played
3: again. Yeah. It oh. It's Pete's internet.
0: See, I told you. Broke up
1: again. Um, I, I, I was saying, like, no, was, was, was the NOLA date circled for the same reason that the Austin date was circled? I mean, you weren't going to get the regular five points, but you would get a good night out in NOLA. I've actually never
3: experienced it. Um, we were so busy humping them when we went down there with Glenda. When, the one time that I went down there. And it was, the, it was actually the hardest game I've ever played in my life in terms of it was about 105 degrees and 90% humidity. Um, Funny story that day, Connor Cook, who's one of the fittest boys I've ever played rugby with, was begging Dave Williams to not make him go out and play the second half because he was so (laughs) exhausted. (laughs) And this is when we were playing at the old high school facility. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that Nate Osborne knew exactly what he was doing, leaving all the high school football stinking pads from summer tour days in the away changing room. And like, it stank. It was hot. It was disgusting. And... We still hunt them, but it was it was it was pretty unpleasant.
0: That Listen. place just held water too. I swear they'd go out there with a fire hose well, and just it? wet the field, and then there it would the just sand the, the sand on the sidelines, the sand pit, yeah. Yeah, but we were the same. Like Pete and I did a bunch of games down there, and you'd walk onto the field beforehand to talk to, to you guys, and you'd need to change your clothes by the time you'd finish just walking around. I can't imagine, especially late in the season, having to play a game down there. So the new facility is. Is a massive upgrade from uh, yeah. the old. Artificial and I high school. Think
1: it's also, um, I think it's also for Nola to become a, like a one stop shop. It's where their offices are, it's where they train. I mean, that kind of stuff in terms of efficiency of being able to maximize your time with the athletes is really important. So I think it's. We're also, it's a, we're also
3: not playing Nola this year until the playoffs, so I can badmouth them a little bit, you know. <laughs>
1: yes. Go. Have at it. Who did you Well, well to hold it. That? First of all, all he says is, is how much he, like, all the great people that are on there, all the great <laughs> people that are doing for American rugby. And I think about halfway through that, he's like, hold on. I need to start like, like, let me come up with a story that makes them sound really bad, just to balance out the, like, the love I put in, put in before. No one?
0: No no trash talk? I've got to get something out of you today.
3: Yeah. Uh... Let me have a thing. I'll
0: get back to me. Fixie's Fink, just done his ACL, so that's a safe. That's low-hanging fruit. You can go after him. Not like gonna really. Well, I
1: mean, I mean, you know, you can also go after Cam Dunham because he's always out on the wing. So, like, you're never going to see him in the game.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. That's my he, trash talk. Go 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 right there.
3: He's been playing more golf than I have during
0: COVID. <laughs> I know. I'm so jealous. Yeah. He's always on the golf course. It's like the coach can, like, take up your normal position. He'll... Grab his bag and head to the car. And he goes, where are you going, Cam? Goes, I'm going to play golf, my normal yeah. position on the field. So, uh, <laughs> great guy. We love Cam Dolan. All right, Seattle, uh, City Tamavina, one of the, uh, the brothers up there who was uh, a bit of a breakout star yeah, this year. He yeah. was quite a pickup for a local guy. And FP uh, Pelsa, the, the big South African lock, he resigns in Seattle. As Seattle, a little, little slow on the boil initially, Pete, with their signings, but behind the scenes have been putting the roster back together. Making those announcements now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's, um, you know, I think that they've still got their core players, right? So they've still got Ricard Hadding, and they've still got um, JP Smith, and 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 you know, um, am I supposed to say someone else, Dan? Like who else? I can't keep, keep think on. of who else is who else is on. Hey, well, is there any other good players that that I haven't mentioned on on Seattle that Dan likes? I think, I think I in Bermuda, the some Jimmy Carley had loser. Yeah brad tucker right there you go right so, i was talking about, I was talking about she- oh, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so you know they've they've got their core and i think that's been one of the secrets of the success of seattle is to keep the core of the players together um but they didn't start well last year and they didn't look like a defending champion um they had a, they did have a shorter preseason so that'll prepare them for the shorter preseason that's happening this year but um you know it'll be interesting to see how they come out the blocks. so i think they're gonna have to really uh come out of the blocks well yeah i think the, they're up the, against you first off so we, yeah. oh, so we want them to come out of the blocks very very slowly for the starting, game. With, starting with a loss
3: they've always kind of done that you know like they've never started on fire and they just always seem to get their there's ducks, you know, ducks in a row and sort of find a way to do it you know they're, they're a reason they've won twice you know
1: right I think mental toughness has always been a big bit like the experience that they're, they're, they're close as a team i think you know, and and you know, I've I've been guilty of constantly saying Seattle aren't going to win it this year, like like they just like they don't have the 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 flash, the the skill, but they have the mentality, right? And the mentality has is, is, has has brought them through in the first two years. I think it's, but it gets harder and harder every year in MLS. Yeah, how how good was that 2018 final, Bill?
0: What a game! The final. Yeah, how good it was, was a good it? a
3: Game of rugby. We just had a bad ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So, so does that still live with you? Yeah, it does. Because, like, the, the interesting thing is as you get older and play rugby, you don't really get to many finals, you know? Like, this is another thing that came up in Bermuda. Like, I've, that was only the second time I've ever played in a final as an adult. Like, right. you, you get to play in games where you can win tournaments, like the ARC and pro rugby but obviously everyone talks about it being a final but it never was but like how many times do you get to play in a final not that many you know there's not like cup competitions that we take part in it's literally the mlr final is pretty much it for professional rugby in the states so yeah to have lost one of those is is, is obviously still bitter and um we never should have lost it but we were outplayed on the well outplayed out coach on the day you know so
0: mm. how good's it going to be to win one in austin though
3: it will be very good, Dan. You'll be, really you'll, be, you'll be first on the invite list to the, the ticker tape open-top bus tour through 6th Street down Rainy Street. Onto, I a, think... onto a pontoon boat on Lake Oxford. Really first on the list. I
0: may be celebrating harder than the players. I'd be like, who's that guy? And like, <laughs> yeah,
3: you yeah, will be the guy with your shirt off. Gilly yeah. will have, <laughs> have spray-painted a 50-man pontoon and will be on Lake Travis for a week.
0: I love it. Me, you, Matthew McConaughey, just having a great time. Driving Lincolns.
3: Elon Musk will be down there by then. That's right.
0: Joe Rogan's there. Everyone's in all, Texas. All the big, big names, all the drill, all the, all the big ones. All the big ones. I love it. All right. And how can you forget Rob Brower? He extends in Toronto as well. Such a big part of that squad, Pete. He really is.
1: He's, I mean, I, that, that guy is such a good player. I mean, he gives them so much go forward. He brings physicality to them. Um, but, but Toronto have been... Um, you know, more than any team, their team is the same, right? Their team is the same as last year. They were probably the best team in the league, maybe San Diego, um, them and San Diego. And um, they, you know, their deal is we're going to keep this team together and um, we're going to see what we can do um, with this group, add a player here, add a player there. But fundamentally, continuity has been the story of Toronto. Yeah,
0: not, not a Toronto arrow, but got to give a quick shout out to a Canadian, Hubert Biden, to announce his retirement this week. So, had a great knock. MLR fans will recognise him from Nola Gold. So, Bill, you probably and, played and against that him. Was,
1: that was a guy that could get over the line from one metre out every time. Like, he, would, he, he was a, a try-scoring ma- machine from close in. He was Dylan
0: Fawcett before Dylan Fawcett was Dylan Fawcett. <laughs>
3: Isn't
0: that right, Bill? No one better at the back of the line out than the Butcher.
3: I think what was he top joint top try scorer two years ago, and nine out of ten of them were from driving malls where he just fell over his own feet. It was pretty. Yeah.
0: Well, it was like uh, twenty-two meters gained, nine tries. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> but, no, or anything else? Anything else you want to say to the Austin fans, mate? It's been great having
3: you on the show.
1: Yeah, no, I we should we should we should, we should actually um, have you on more often. Maybe have Dan on less.
3: Yeah, as long as Austin don't go out and sign Danny Cipriani, I'll be happy to. <laughs> <laughs> Three fly halves, four fly halves, like, who cares? I want to learn, I want to have, like, that's where the buck stops. That's where you're riding pine and pulling splinters out your ass. So I mean, uh, I mean,
1: That would be a great pickup for someone in the MLR. I mean, that's he's a going guy. To that... San Diego. Everyone knows it. He's going to San Diego.
0: You heard it. They just signed Santiago.
3: They don't need a yeah. 10. Danny will play 15 or whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, look,
1: cause what San Diego says is where do you want to spend six months on the beach or like in the snow? Well, someone, right?
3: Someone's got to replace Nonu's contract. <laughs> <laughs>
1: or more
0: like live in Nonu's house, right? Sure, yeah. Moving right along here before we get ourselves in trouble. No, just kidding. Bill, it's been great, buddy. I want to thank you for coming on. I know it's late where you are right now. I won't disclose because obviously if I do that, the fans rush, and you know this is your personal private time. I respect that. Keep, uh, keep swinging. I love the golf updates on Instagram. I'll, I'll keep double clicking on those as long as you put them up. And uh, a little less of the puppy, though,
3: huh? Yeah, more golf, less
0: puppy. Great. You've got, dog, to,
3: give, you've got to give it all, the whole demographic on the Instagram followers. You know.
0: Yeah, I know. There's some dogs that have like more followers than humans on there. That's the scary thing. So, all right, we're digressing again. The Builder Drill, Will McGee, Pete Steinberg, the Professor, our Producer, Aaron Castro. I'm Dan Powell. This has been the MLR Kickoff Podcast, and it has been brought to you by ShopMLR.com, powered by The Rugby Shop.